0: give me a second here i'm going to go ahead and stream this
1: happy thursday my friend thursday almost the weekend which is which is nice always nice <laughs> oh yeah
0: <laughs> all right well let's kick it off <coughs> All right. Well, hey, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's webinar, Google Update Alert, These Changes to Your Dispensary SEO Strategy. Today, we're joined by Sam, Samer Alkes, MediaGel's VP of Search, to discuss the most recent Google algorithm update shift. You, have made, you may have noticed an increase or decrease in organic traffic to your website and blog. Today, we're going to address both sides and discuss what changes came from Google, the crucial elements that need to be in your dispensary SEO strategy, and how to safeguard your website to keep showing up in organic search results. My name is Guillermo Bravo. I'm the Chief Evangelist at MediaGel. We focus on connecting cannabis, CBD, and alcohol businesses to compliant consumer audiences across devices, media channels, and at every stage of the customer buying journey. I personally have 20 years of experience in both startup and agency environments, and my passion is spearheading initiatives that drive sales, expand lead gen, and develop intuitive strategies to drive growth and mass adoption. I know Google never shows their cards completely when they make updates to their algorithms, Samar. Uh, but over time it's you know it's possible to see trends in which websites shifted in ranking and how to identify website and content structures uh, that it, that are now preferred by Google. Samra, can you tell us you know about this most recent Google algorithm update and what we have learned in terms of what Google is now looking for when ranking
1: websites and blogs via organic search? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think whenever we're thinking about Google algorithm updates there, they fall in a couple of different buckets. So you have the Google algorithm updates that Google announces. And those are predominantly gonna be really, really covered in a lot of shadow when it comes to information that Google shares, which is what happened in Jul- June and July. Those are broad core algorithm updates. So generally what that means is that they've made some tweaks to the way that their algorithm works. They won't express to you what those tweaks are. Um, but they will impact your overall visibility. And we'll kind of get into that in a second, but there's another bucket of algorithm updates that tend to be on the smaller side. And they tend to fire off a little bit more frequently and they'll either fall in within a specific niche that Google's looking at, like one that just happened about a month ago, uh, which is about the, the linky spam, uh, the spam links, excuse me. Then we have other ones also that aren't even that specific but they're looking at um, another section of your website that could really impact visibility if you lean on uh, a certain part of your website, which we'll get into in a second for for visibility. But if we're talking about the the big boy, the big guy that really uh, changed, that was in July. And that was your broad core algorithm update. Generally, whenever Google In the past, whenever they made broad algorithm updates, they try to space them out a little bit, maybe one every three months, one every six months or so. We actually got two back-to-back, one in June and one in July. And the big thing that I really want um, to just express to everybody is that whenever Google is making algorithm updates, it's not always to stop something bad that people are doing. right? What they're trying to do is Google's ultimate goal and Google's ultimate um, the, the end result of what they're trying to achieve. They're trying to create a web of knowledge and they're trying to service their customers. And their customers are people who use their search engines. So if you fulfill a specific role within that web of knowledge for a customer on Google's side, you're going to get more visibility. So that could be content on your website. That could be really authoritative backlinks. That could be technical markup. One of the big things Google's really pushing going into uh, July was core web vitals. That was really important to Google. That's layered in there as well. So it's really all about looking whenever there's these broad core algorithm updates, they take about two weeks to roll out from when Google announces it. It's really looking at specifics on your individual website, which landing pages were impacted, what keywords were impacted either positively or negatively, and then start doing some competitor research to see if you have dropped what has replaced you, what website has replaced you, and then what on that website, on that page in particular, is now Google valuing. I think that's the big thing, is what is Google's shift in their value representing? And how do you then start making changes on your side to start really displaying the type of information that Google is now valuing? What you could have been doing in the past was great, uh, nothing wrong with what you're doing. Google's focus now has just shifted and what we have to be, especially with these broad algorithm updates, we have to be nimble and adjust our on-site and off-site strategy to really mimic what um, uh, Google's looking for in many ways.
0: Okay. And then you said something that really uh, caught my attention is, uh, you know, what value is Google looking for? Can you give me top three maybe that uh, yeah. our audience should be
1: aware of? Yeah. If we're, if we're, if we're looking at this from the 5,000-foot view, and we're looking at what what is Google really focusing on, right? We know that on-page element, whether it's content, page speed, UX, to a lesser degree, but still there, that's a huge, huge priority on Google's end. Because what they want is they want their customers, who are the search engine users, to find a destination website that not only answers the question, which is that content, but yeah. also loads information quickly and gets them to the right, parts of their site to kind of help um, bring that user back onto the Google platform. So on-site elements are probably the most important thing. We've seen that whenever we make adjustments with content or technical adjustments on the website, we do see some growth if it's done strategically. The other elements like link building, that's something that we'll get into in a little bit. That's important, but something that Google's been beating the drum on for the last probably five or six years is it's not volume of links. Volume of links do not matter to Google. If you get a lot of links from really, really low equity websites that are not associated with your vertical, Mm -hmm. and you're probably not gonna really see any really positive momentum. Um, You could possibly even start seeing yourself being throttled on Google's side. But getting authoritative links making sure that those links have some sort of a correlation to your vertical to some degree. And they're also not part of a link farm, not part of a um, PBN network, none of that stuff that really Google tends to frown on. Uh, That would be element number two. And I think the very last one is it comes down to, it's a combination of both onsite and offsite, which is what is your overall website strategy when it comes to your long tail and short tail keywords And then how does that play into your link building and your your website content development? I think that's a really vital part that feeds into point one and point two.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for that, Samer. Uh, and And I have seen that Google cut down on domain crowding search results. Can you explain what domain crowding is and how this algorithm shifted rankings?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what domain crowding really is, if we're just trying to make it as simple as possible, it's... It represents the number of your pages that are on page one of Google. So if somebody makes a, a search, let's say they're searching for um, cannabis dispensary in Atlanta, as an example. And you in the past might have a Google map result, an organic result, maybe a FAQ, and then maybe you have another landing page. Maybe it's your store page or your homepage that's ranking in position number nine. That's technically domain crowding. So it's just your domain ranking too many interior pages within the the top page of Google. What Google's trying to do is they're trying to diversify results to get the best possible answer to the end user. So what Google started doing, they actually started doing this about earlier this year, is that if you have a ranking on position number three in the regular search results, and then you have a ranking on position number eight, if they see that there's more value for a search Um, because your position number three page provides the right information, what they're going to do is they're going to actually devalue your ranking in position number eight, drop you down to position, probably number, you know, somewhere on page two or three, and then they're going to move up somebody from page two that might be able to answer the same question. So what you're seeing is that your top ranking won't drop. It shouldn't drop. But if you have a secondary or a tertiary ranking page on that first page of Google, then you'll start seeing those drop down into those secondary pages, and then you'll start seeing more competitors. So, what that means is that your on site content needs to be really refined. Your metadata, your descriptions that show up in the search results page need to be really, really honed in and tight and really um, speak to the end user to get them onto your site because you don't have the you don't have the luxury of having somebody skip, let's say that top result and going to maybe that secondary result that you have. Now you have one shot at that customer.
0: Wonderful. And you, you mentioned this a few times, uh, relevancy, right? So uh, making sure that your content is relevant to what the user is asking. Right. And then, you know, just, just in line with that, uh, with that message is, you, know, you should only answer one question per page. You shouldn't, shouldn't answer 15, 20 questions per page and cover 15 different topic, topics. It should be one topic that is very concrete and you know, that, that you can answer uh, you know, in as much depth as possible. And um, this brings me to PAA. People also ask, how can businesses take advantage of this uh, new offering that Google's released?
1: Yeah. PAAs are really, really interesting. And it ties back to what you just said. It's a lot of your on-site content really at the end of the day should have, every page should have a theme, should have yeah. a focus. And then there's going to be a multitude of different questions that you could answer or expand on within that theme or topic for that page. And so that's where PAAs flow in. So PAAs have started to become a lot more relevant in search results Last time I checked, it's about fifty to fifty-two percent of search results now have a PAA show up, and generally they'll show up in either three or four results. And uh, the biggest thing about PAA's is that they are, in essence, infinite in nature. So you can have, you know, I think we've all had the experience where we've expanded the PAA they look at a question and an answer, and then all of a sudden you get three more or four more. So those are actually infinite in, in regards to the number of questions and answers that Google is looking for. Now, the interesting thing about PAAs is, is that uh, they are really focused on really quick blurbs of information. So formatting is important to a degree, but not really. Um, what we found is that Generally paragraphs, short paragraphs do really well. Lists do decent as well. So if you see a lot of PAA results, they're always important, like about 50 to 60% of the time they're in that paragraph format, another 10% to 15% they're in that list format. It just allows Google to grab that information uh, and then really serve a quick answer to a user. But the interesting thing about PAAs is, is that whenever, let's say you have a competitor that you're not really able to pass in the SERPs and you've tried, you've built content, you've built links, but they just have a lot more authority than you do. A really great area to look at when it comes to potentially leapfrogging them within the organic search results is PAAs. What we found is that by looking at the keywords that you're targeting, looking at the keywords you're looking to grow into, you can start identifying within the different platforms like Simrush or Hrefs. Uh, you can start looking at, all right, Do these keywords, both short and long tail, have PAAs? If they do, what's Google actually showing from a results standpoint? And does our competitor who you're trying to leapfrog have PAAs for those terms? And being able to develop a secondary strategy to really expand into PAAs as you're growing your natural results would be a really great opportunity to look at from a low-hanging fruit perspective because you might be able to really leapfrog them a little bit quicker that way.
0: And in regards to PAAs, is there anything on the um, scripting side or schema side that you need to mark up to enable better
1: indexing of those questions? So there isn't a lot of information in regards to if schema markup really helps facilitate the rendering of PAAs. What we have found is that if you do have a blog post or article post on your website, it's always, always, always better to have article schema um, incorporated in there. Uh, or schema elements on your landing pages that call out maybe your organization, or if you have a local page, making sure you're calling out your um, your local schema, stuff like that. That's always really important. How much of a weight that plays in PAAs in the early stages is still unclear on Google side. But I would say from a deployment standpoint, mm-hmm. I would always just play it safe. Deploy article schema, schema like that, FAQ schema, if you have FAQs on that page as well. Those are always really important and pretty quick to deploy. Just covering yourself, so if Google starts leaning on Schema a little bit more for PAAs, you already have it set up.
0: Yeah, great point. And I, you know, on my side, is kind of a, a a trick I use is I use the PAAs as a keyword research tool. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll search for you know, uh, let's say uh, where to buy the best weed in San Francisco, and then I'll suggest a. Uh, you know, uh, where can I get vape? Or, you know, what's what are the best vapes in San Jose or whatever it might be? And you can find different keyword keyword groups that you want to target. And I just use that to, to group different keywords. And then I can, you know, add that to, to A-Refs and, and then get more keyword suggestions and just come up with topics, right? So it's a great way to, to come up with topics, do your keyword research, look at the PAAs, and then use that to add those keywords into your tools, find competitors. What what are they doing? A lot of those competitors, especially for SEO, are going to be publications. They're not going to be actual competitors to you. Um, So like uh, Leafly, I'll post something like uh, top 10 dispensaries in San Francisco. That's going to be your competitor Mm -hmm. because you're fighting for the same results. So it's not always going to be a direct competitor as far as uh, uh, someone that sells the same products it's a competitor in the organic search results. So just Thank keep you. that in mind. Uh, and it's a common view that, you know, loss of rankings or traffic is a sign that a page you know, like did something wrong, uh, but that's not the case. Right. So, you know, Google made a statement, Sammer um, saying that sites that lost rankings don't have anything to fix. Can you unpack the statement for me?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of goes back to our initial conversation that we started uh, earlier. And it really comes down to Google's focus. Not every single time they're coming out with an algorithm update, they're looking to correct something on users' websites. It's really about what they feel will benefit their end users. And if that's removing of domain crowding, maybe re-emphasizing or looking at different layouts for content, um, layering in PAAs that drop down your search results a little bit more. It's not about fixing your website. If you start seeing drops in your keywords post algorithm update. And what I always encourage everybody is when there's an algorithm update, you're going to see fluctuation more than likely. Let it wait until the full rollout of the algorithm is complete. That usually takes about two weeks. At the end of those two weeks, the dust has settled. You know where you're actually going to be standing And at that point, start doing some competitor research, start doing some SERP research and start identifying if you have dropped, okay, what has now Google replaced you with? And what is happening on that site? What is happening on that page? Are they answering something that maybe you're not answering that Google is now valuing? Start looking at some of those long tail keywords. So it's not about correcting. It's about pivoting. Make sure that you pivot to, uh, the, the new vision that Google has for the search results. And making sure that you're doing your due diligence and at the end of the day, cor- I guess correcting is not the right word, adjusting your on-site and off-site strategy to really mirror what Google's looking for.
0: Yeah. And I've seen some shifts in types of content that are showing up as well. So, you know, pre-algorithm update, it was content, content, content. And as far as like web pages, now I'm seeing podcasts in there. I'm seeing video from YouTube. Obviously that's Google owns that search engine as well. So, uh, keeping that in mind when you are looking to diversify your content and your targeting is yes, you want to do blog posts, but you need to do video content. It's, it's you know very popular now. I mean, YouTube's a, one of the biggest search engines as well, right there with Google, uh, and then create images, you know, we can do infographics, you can do audio so really, just keep that in mind when you're trying to diversify your content marketing approach. Uh, and then, uh, Samer, you like knowing the key elements that have shifted in the algorithm update. Like, what are your top recommendations for cannabis companies that have seen declines in rankings?
1: Yeah, the the interesting thing is what I've been recommending for anybody who has seen a decline is approaching it not necessarily from the perspective of what can we fix right away on the site? What I'll start looking at is, all right, what are our keywords or our keyword that saw the biggest drop that resulted in a drop in impressions within, you can look at impressions in Google search console for pages or keywords. And then I'll start looking at long tail or associated keywords in any of like Simrush or Ahrefs or any of those. Reason I do that is because what we're trying to do. And what Google's trying to do is they're creating a web of knowledge and a connection of keywords. A lot of times people will start really fixating on a keyword per page, but in really it's a keyword theme per page. Where are you seeing drop-offs for your keyword theme? Are there maybe associated keywords that Google now is putting a little bit more weight behind that you don't touch on, or you don't really expand into that might be longer tail that might be question oriented that now, because maybe a competitor has those elements layered into their content on their site. That is now the reason why you're seeing a drop and they're seeing an increase. So I would look at associated keywords underneath your keyword theme. I'd also start looking at really the basics. Do you have thin content? Is your content answering questions? Uh, And going back to PAAs, I think this is a really great way, and you touched on this, is looking at the the PAAs that show up for your keywords that you have lost rankings for, that's a really good directional piece of information that Google gives you on what people are really thinking about and what people are really looking to get more information on. So how do you start layering some of that information in within your content and start really making a more informational, robust piece of content? The way I look at it is if I'm on a website or we're creating content for a website, does it have enough information for me as a user to feel good about when I leave the site? Or do I have to go and make a secondary search or a tertiary search to get more information? So I, I, I always encourage everybody when they've seen a drop, look at your keyword themes, look at your associated keywords, look at trends when it comes to the type of associated questions that are being asked for that topic. And are we hitting on those factors within your landing page? And then also look at, make sure that you don't have any errors within your markup, no landing page issues, uh, stuff like that. But I think if you start off with keyword theme, and start looking at your competitors and associated keywords that are long tail and question focused, that'll really give you a great starting point to really start unraveling the mystery of uh, why you might've had a bit of a drop on the organic side. Yeah, that's a good
0: point. It is a mystery and you can use your, you can use all the tools and the best practices that you like, but in the end, like gonna hold that tight to the chest and they're not going to share it. Um, you know, what, this is their their baby, right? They want to provide the best experience for customers when searching, and they're not going to allow companies doing like fraudulent or uh, black hat tactics to, to benefit from their platform, right? They need to maintain this authority and, and domination for organic search in the United States, so they're not going to they're not going to give that up. And they're, it's just becoming more intelligent. You know, they have artificial intelligence now. Uh, they know what's going on. They've seen the history of everything that has gone on for the last 20 years. So uh, you're not going to outsmart Google. <laughs> so um, just do the best practices that uh, they recommend. Ray, I guess. Actually, with that being said, do you have any um, publications, podcasts, or uh, influencers that you'd recommend following to stay up on the SEO tax? tactics besides yourself i just posted your linkedin in the in the group chat everyone can follow uh, sammer and uh, myself but uh, yeah any recommendations on like uh, where people can
1: can do some research yeah there there are some really really great blogs out there uh, uh you know seo roundtable is a great place moz we all know okay. is a, a a good place as well but there are some of those not as frequently updated, but really great knowledge-based websites like Backlinko. I think Backlinko is a really great resource. Uh, the, the admin on that site is a really knowledgeable guy when it comes to SEO practices, and he will give you a ton of really long-form information that really doesn't skim the surface. It gets into the weeds. So if you're uh, more on the intermediate to advanced side, I think Backlinko is a great place to start and start looking at because he does start giving you some recommendations on that side. And then what I always look at also is SEMrush, Hrefs, Bright Local, all of those platforms that we utilize internally, they all have really great publication portions of their website. So visiting those as well, I just add all those to my RSS and, and then whenever something really interesting comes up, I'll look at it. But I think something that SEO people should really start focusing on as well is start looking at paid search, paid search updates, changes within the paid search landscape, emphasis that we will maybe having in certain elements of paid search. The reason that's important is SEO and paid media, they, they play together a lot more than people expect them to. And understanding the paid search landscape will give us a really great understanding of how to build out a really detailed, comprehensive SEO strategy without necessarily uh, not taking consideration what paid media is, how paid media is going to impact you and your SEO strategy. So I, I always encourage people to look at paid media stuff as well. That's always a great thing to look at as a uh, cherry on top of the cake.
0: And where you uh, just opened up a can of worms there on the paid search side. Can you, uh, I think that's another topic we should talk about in another webinar, mm-hmm. uh, but can you give us a high level overview of the recent Google Ads update that uh, took place a couple days
1: ago? Yeah. So as of Tuesday, there is a new policy update from Google's side. So in in a nutshell, what it is, is that there is a three strikes rule for Google ads. And it's not just for the cannabis space. It's really for every single person out there, every single company that runs media. You now have to go through a different appeals process when you get media uh, disapproved from Google's side, regardless of the reason. And I think the really interesting thing about that is understanding why and how frequently you're getting disapprovals, being on top of the communication internally and building out a, um, a really comprehensive next steps plan for if something does happen, that's been a priority of ours internally here. But that's been the biggest change on Google Ads side um, in the last probably month and a half to two months And it's really, really important to make sure that you are, if you are running media, uh, paid media of any kind, keep your eye on it because there's probably going to be a lot of uh, fluctuation volatility in the next couple of weeks as these, um, this new update starts really triggering a lot more frequently. Great. You know, keep that in
0: mind and we should definitely cover that in more depth uh, in an upcoming webinar. And if anyone on the call is having trouble with their Google ads, feel free to, to reach out to us, you know, on MediaGel.com or DM us on LinkedIn. Like we're, we're happy to help and, and support in, um, in this transition. Uh, and then Samer, are, are there any you know, SEO tactics that you would recommend websites implement when creating content or building the website structure um, that, you know, that we have not covered
1: so far uh, during this call? Yeah, that we haven't covered, I would say the 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 two things that come to mind is making sure that you have really solid URL flow and internal linking. So pointing internal links back to associated pages, creating that web on your website, very similar to what Google's doing within their search landscape. And then if you do have um what I've been seeing a lot of is canonicalization and indexation issues. So making sure that when you build out landing pages, that you're building out pages that are, if you want them indexed, that you're marking them up as indexed from a canonical tag perspective, that they're self-referencing. If you want them to reference themselves or if they're pointing to another page, make sure that they're set up correctly. Um, those would be the, the two technical elements outside of what we've already discussed that when you're building out those pages that I would just check and make sure that your indexation and your canonicalization are buttoned up prior to pushing that page into production.
0: Fantastic. And I would like to add a few others. Uh, when we're developing websites, we always consider indexability. So making sure that your, your sites are easily, it can be easily indexed through the robots, through uh, sitemap files and so on. Uh, that the website loading performance is very high. So uh, use a, uh, you can use uh, Google Insights. I believe there's GT metrics and a few other platforms that we can use to test performance on the website because that's a key one for the last algorithm update, I believe. Uh, and then what's the point of building all this organi- organic traffic if you're not converting into a sale or lead? So have clear call to actions on your website to, to purchase online or to join a loyalty program or if you're in the B2B space, you know, ask for a demo. So like you're, you're getting people to your website. You, you've walked them through this whole journey. They read about what, you know, they got their question answered. So what's the next step? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta ask for the business. You need to ask for some type of engagement, uh, you know, pop-up. I I recommend pop-ups on the website. They still work. Um, and then, um, you know, forms in the footer, uh, call to actions within the content, and then, you know, just ensuring that it's clear who, like, what your business does, what problems you solve, and how you solve them. So that's, uh, you know, that's all important in this process. And then I would say the most important one that I feel like uh, some uh, brands and retailers don't consider is, you know, 70% of your traffic is going to be from mobile devices. Mm-hmm. So build your website for mobile first, not desktop. No one really, I mean, it's a small percentage of people that use desktops anymore. They're using tablets. They're using cell phones. Everyone's on the run. Everyone has super fast internet. So it's not, uh, you know, and then if you're a retailer and you're driving conversions and people are traveling, like most people are either like in route or kind of uh, in public transportation in the subway or in Uber. And then they buy weed when they're kind of uh, in, you know, in route. So, you know, just make, make sure it's that easy. Like I, I always say, uh, you know, make sure that a stoner that's high as a kite can figure out how to order through your website and, you know, baby boomer older uh, can, can order through your website so just make it accessible make it easy and you know follow the the methodology that google does right less is more you don't need a bunch of shiny objects everywhere to get people's attention you just need uh, clear and concise words and uh you know what and lead them walk them to the to the goal that you want them to to reach whatever that is um, and yeah, that's all, that's all I had on my side. And, you know, thank you so much for joining us, Samar. It's always a pleasure. Um, you know, can catch Samar on uh, LinkedIn, uh, catch myself on LinkedIn. We're, we're always you know, happy to help. And, um, you know, well, I'll leave a few minutes here at the end. Does anyone want to ask us any questions? Uh, feel free to post them in the Q and a section in the, in the bottom, Or just in the chat on the right side, and we'd be more than happy to answer any of your questions here. All right. All right, I got one question here. All right. Let's see. What tools do you use to
1: to track SEO performance? That's a great question. It, it's it's really variable on what your business is, right? So what we use for a majority of our partners, we'll use a combination of Ahrefs, Simrush, and Bright Local. Okay. Bright Local really gives you a lot of good information on local, local pack visibility. Simrush gives you information on keyword visibility on the local pack. And Ahrefs gives you a really good insight on your backlink profile, um, domain authority. So combining all of those on top of Google properties gives you a really good holistic Okay. And then how do you do competitor research? Combination of all three again. So I will, yeah, I'll I'll look at all three platforms. And then the biggest tool that I found when it comes to competitor research is Google Search Console for your own website. That gives you the most Mm, insight into visibility. Uh, GA gives you insight into clicks, but Search Console gives you insight into visibility, which is something that is incredibly important when you're trying to figure out if you've just lost clicks or you're actually losing visibility for keywords or landing pages. So search console is incredibly helpful and really insightful for competitor research. Awesome. Uh,
0: what is your preferred CRM or CMS for, um, you know, that's SEO friendly.
1: You know, uh, I've had really great experiences with Shopify and WordPress, WordPress, very customizable, easy to work with a lot of great open source plugins uh, Shopify from the UX standpoint for conversions, it's really, I think, one of the best CMSs out there for e uh, I yeah. think it's much better than Magento. And um, those two would be probably my two default CMSs when it comes to SEO-friendly and being able to make them SEO-friendly um, when they're out of the box.
0: All right. And then uh, someone from the audience wants to know... Uh, oh, let, let's see what we got here. Let oh, we just said thanks. Oh. What? Who's your favorite superhero,
1: Samer? Oh man! <laughs> oh boy! Uh, you know, honestly, I—I I know this is probably going to be a massive cliche. I really like Iron Man because he seems like he's really snarky, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man! Yeah, I'm—I don't know who I do on mine. That's a good question. Uh, yeah, uh, probably a, What's the uh, Magneto or Magneto or what's the guy that's like psychic um, from the at the that, that kind of leads the whole Marvel crew?
1: Is that Professor X? Professor
0: that... X, yeah, I like what him. are the wrong people to ask this. One <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, well, I got another one for you. If you could have any superpower, what it what would it be?
1: Oh man, transport like teleportation would be great
0: teleportation like back in time or through another to another location another location i
1: don't care about what's happening in the past anymore
0: no so 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 you got a teleporting uh you know where are you going to go to first
1: i'd love to go to probably somewhere in spain mallorca barcelona somewhere like that i think that'd be great
0: okay all right I see you nice <laughs>
1: well, thank- I up on Spanish
0: <laughs> yeah you gotta brush up on it. <laughs> well thank you again my friend uh, appreciate all the insights and uh, we'll uh, we'll kick this off again and do some uh, do some you know dive deep in the weeds and Google ads next.
1: Awesome sounds great. thanks for having
0: me really appreciate it. Always cheers hammermmer yes bye.